Podcast. Welcome to the murder house. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. We are a pre-murder house. Well, actually, I don't no, know. No, we're post-murder. Because it's ghosts. Oh, <laughs> I was just going to say there haven't been any murders in this house yet. Oh. Well, but the, our content is post-murder. Yeah, this is the post-murder podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where we talk about people who died a long time ago. Or recently. Proper cold cases. Yeah. Sometimes very cold. Because of cold spots. Um, wow. What do teenage ghosts get? Cold spots. Pimples? Pimples. No. Um, welcome, I'm Hamish. Pububerty. Pububerty. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 What did ghosts get during the plague? Bubonic plague. Bubos. <laughs> Bubos under the scare pits. That's <laughs> <laughs> not even a pun. <laughs> no. um, welcome. I'm Hamish. I'm Tiffany. Um, we basically share a ghost story we've researched with each other. We didn't research them with each other. Well, no. We share them with each other. We try and scare each other with our ghost stories. Yes. Is the kind of vague premise. Um, if you like ghost stories, though, I'm going to plug something. Um, I've got a book coming out on June the 1st. Um, <laughs> chances are you might have already read it, but it is new, kind of, basically. Um, it's called Dead Endia, The Watcher's Test. It's like a reboot. Yeah. I've redone this, this fucking <laughs> thing several times now. Uh, basically, it's it. I call it an adaptation of my webcomic, Dead Endia. Um, it is the same uh, plot and a lot of the same content as a Kickstarter around a few years ago. But this is now being properly released by Nobrow Publisher and will be in bookshops. It'll actually be, I have been informed, in every Barnes & Noble in America, which wow. is pretty cool. That is cool. There must be a lot of them. I know exactly how many there are now because of my emails. Not off the top of my head. I think it's about 650. Which sounds a bit small, but also kind of big. Well, also online shops. Yes. It'll be available everywhere there. I'm going next um, month, I mentioned last time, to Nyarlands to uh, do a... Um, like a signing at the American Association, uh, American Library Association. Oh, that's cool. Um, and Michelle Obama's gonna be there. Really? Mm. Is she gonna read it? She's gonna be signing next to me. Oh. <laughs> no, she's not. She's doing a, a talk for an. It's this big like librarian shtick thing. Oh, uh, librarians uh, like celebrities over there. I've heard they are. <laughs> I've heard that librarians are a little bit like the book world like taste makers oh wow and they're very respected i guess because like i think over there there's like censorship's more of a thing isn't it 
I guess. With yeah. like banned books from libraries, it's more. Like, I think they they. I just think libraries are much more protected and respected than they are here, where they're being they're killed like off. Weird rooms <laughs> with some books in. Yeah. But it sounds very rude. They they're being they are actively being trying to being get rid of. Mm. Um, but at the same time, I actually haven't been in one in a very long time. Yeah, I've not been in one in a long time, but I think it would be very bad if they weren't here. I agree. Like, they're very necessary for a lot of people. Also, libraries are a great place for ghosts to hang out, as we are being told in various films. That is true. Um, but... <laughs> that... Bibli-Bootek. No. <laughs> uh, Dead End, yeah, The Watcher's sorry, Test sorry. is a ghost story. Um, it's got ghosts in it, it's got demons, it's got um, all kinds of supernatural gubbins, and it's quite funny. And also you um, did some art for it as well. Did. Um, which seems like many years ago It was now. quite a long time. Uh, but it's in there still. Um, so yeah, June the 1st, pick it up if you want to. There's actually, June the 1st is a launch uh, party, I think. It's going to be where it was for your pumpkin. No, it's at Orbital Comics um, near Leicester Square. Very close to, gosh, where I did number one. Um, but it's a launch and Q&A and there'll be drinks and chats and you can get a copy and blah, 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 blah. Nice. So, yeah. I'll come and be in, like, dark glasses and ask you a really annoying question. <laughs> um, on page 13, uh, on chapter 7, uh, why does Pugsy do this spell when in the previous thing he did the, like, because I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> Okie dokie. There's a ghost time. Ghost time. Right. Ghost me. Get ready. I'm ready. Newsreader shuffle. Okay. Gonna get you in the mood. Yeah. Set the scene. Please. It's the early 1980s. I wanna dance with somebody. Is that the early 1980s? I don't know. It's sometime in the 80s. Okay. Your name is Mike Ball. <laughs> My dream has come true. You have four young daughters, aged from two to ten, mm-hmm. and you're in the queue at the Anson Beach, Beach Mall in Portland, Oregon, for the merry-go-round. Okay, I'm loving this. An 80s mall. I have daughters. Yeah. My name's Bull. <laughs> Your children are well-behaved, but some other two brats running around? Not so much. Mike thought they were children of the operator, since they're running around all over the carousel, even in the machinery. Mechanical workings are in a cylinder in the centre of the carousel, and visitors could see through it in, into it through an open door, and inside you could see these two children. In the merry-go-round? Yeah, like, in, like, I think, because I'm guessing, obviously, it has a centre yeah. bit where you can get in, but you shouldn't really be in there. No. There are a boy and a girl. The boy was about ten, and the girl eight. He, not- he noticed they're dressed like they are from the 1920s. The boy was wearing... Now, the thing I got it from, which is a random book on Google Books. Um, so I'll go for the deep cuts so that you'll always be just be surprised. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're crediting your sources. Yeah. Some random book on Google Books. So I'll, I'll source it later. <laughs> um, they kept on referring to him as wearing knickers, which made me laugh because I'm English and that has a different meaning. <laughs> but I believe what they mean is knickerbockers, like the kind of poofy trouser situation. Mm. Old-timey people used to wear. And some of us still do. Yeah. I don't like to wear this in, like, golf or something. 
yes, 1920s boys yeah. and golfers. Yeah. And the girl was wearing a period-appropriate dress. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I imagine going shopping with your children in the 20s. You're like, Mom, I want this. I'm like, no, get something period-appropriate. You might die and become a ghost. <laughs> Mike remembered that the children whispered to each other, stopping and gazing off to the right, appearing to look for someone. Other than these creepy details, nothing else struck Mike as strange at the time. <laughs> Until, 15 years later, oh my God. Mike set up a website with Squarespace. No, he didn't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he did set up a website, but it's probably Geocities, knowing the time period. Yeah, exactly. Um about ghost hunting in Portland and someone called Sarah Robinson wrote in saying a direct quote I was wondering if you've ever heard of any sightings of the carousel up at Janssen Beach when I was a small child I saw two children a boy and a girl playing in the centre of it through an open door she also said they were wearing 1920s clothes and that she only ever saw them when the machinery door was open her post continued when I moved back to North Portland my husband and I took my oldest boy in the carousel a few times. He was about one and a half. He liked it when the doors were closed and screamed if they were open, so we stopped taking him there. I didn't tell my husband a thing until last week, when I took my son alone on the ride. He just turned three, and he talks a lot. While we were waiting for the ride to begin, I noticed that we were directly in front of the open door. I got a shiver, and my son looked up at me and said, There's kids under there. Mm. I said I knew. And he said very seriously, with some fear in his eyes, I don't want to go under there. Sarah said the last time she saw them had been when she was eight, which had been the third which had been the third time. The first she was three or four and didn't like it, but then when she was eight, they stared her down, and she inherently felt like they wanted her to join them. This freaked her out, so she always picked the outside horse to keep away. So mm. it scared her enough that she'd still go on the merry ground. <laughs> yeah. mm. Her mother didn't believe her when she said she saw their two faces peering at her from that door each time the carousel spun past, but she can still remember what they looked like. The girl had long white hair with a big white bow and the boy was wearing suspenders, a white shirt and flat hat. Sarah said they huddled together and turned away from her when she first saw them, but then they changed and would stare at her. When her son saw them, however, Sarah couldn't see them anymore, although she could still feel them. This was February 28, 2001. Seeing the children really upset Benjamin and he wanted to talk about them when he got home, he felt really sad for them. Mm. He said he saw two children, a boy and a girl, and they wanted him to play with them. When Sarah questioned him if they said anything, he replied, They got hurt and they can't leave. They're stuck in there. The girl said, Don't throw him. That's where it ended. I'd like to add that apparently the uh, owner of the merry ground wrote in to the website and complained about people spreading rumours about ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no such thing as ghosts here. Which, uh, but, like, the rest of the thing I read, I didn't include it, but it was, like, there wasn't really any... They couldn't. The author couldn't pinpoint who the ghosts were. They just had, like, wild the- theories. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm not here for your random ideas. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well... I thought I'd leave on a mystery. Yeah, I mean... My theory is that he was, uh, the owner of the carousel was faking the ghosts to uh, create tourism and that he was outed and discovered by four pesky kids and their great dane. 
Um, and he would have got away with it. If they're, like, inside the background. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Well, I mean, it's creepy, but... Maybe... You would believe this idea. If they're in by the machinery, maybe it's a ghost-powered merry-go-round. So it's electricity. Yeah. Then go straight to the ectoplasmic source. Yeah. Um, lovely. Should I tell you mine? Yeah. Okay. Right. <clears throat> this is the story of the first ever bro- uh, TV broadcast of an exorcism. <gasps> I didn't even know they allowed that on TV. Well, here is the story. It features mid-story, but then I'll get. I'll show you a bit of it. So, let me take you back to scans my notes for a date. I know the decade. Uh, let's say 1971. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> no, just I think feel it, like being in the 70s. Yeah, I think it's about then. So, Ed and Marsha Becker were blissfully happy. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Ed, Ed, Ed. What are you saying? from Brady Bunch. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sure, Jan. Um, <laughs> this is about the Beckers and the good booze. Okay. Um, they just had their first child. Well, their first child was just on its way. Sorry. When... Uh, Wait, Ed... so is the child here or not? <laughs> <laughs> Let me start again. I'm one sentence in. Okay. Ed and Marsha Becker were blissfully happy. Their first child was on its way. Um... Ed went to inform uh, the landlady of the house Estonian that uh, they, a baby was on the way, and the landlady said, no babies or pets. That's a bit hard, like, comparing <laughs> babies and pets. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they had to move. Um, a month into a search, Ed found a small two-apartment uh, building in the city. So two apartments, one on top of the other. Um, he met with the realtor. Um... When he walked into the house to examine the building, a elderly woman named Myra ran up to him screaming, telling him, you'll never own this house. It'll never be yours. Um, the realtor said, don't mind Myra. Uh, she'll be gone when you move in. That's ominous. Uh, so I, I should specify there's like an apartment downstairs and an apartment upstairs, but it's all one building. Yeah. So she was downstairs and he was like reassuring them that... He was going to kill her before they moved in. <laughs> Since she went there. She was a very old lady. She's being mo- she was apparently being moved to a, uh, to a home. Mm. Um, but as he were, examined the rest of the house, all he could feel was her just following them around and watching and being very grumpy. There's actually... Um, so I got most of the story from an episode of my favourite show, Paranormal Witness. <laughs> um, I did do some research as well, because um, one of the people in the story wrote a book about it. Um, but she was sort of downstairs, and he was at, Ed was actually interested in buying the whole house. Yeah. And then, like, renting out part of it. Um, and when they went downstairs, and the realtor said, uh, would you like to see the kitchen? And he said, yes. Uh, he said, okay, we'll have to be brief. And he just opened the kitchen briefly. Mira was sat at the table looking at them. Ugh. Going like, you'll never have this house. Uh, and then he closed the door. 
Um, and he's like, oh, do you see how like spacious it was? <laughs> um, so without many other options, uh, Ed agreed to purchase the whole house. Um, as they, uh, as he and Marsha moved in, um, they were delighted. Their whole life was beginning. They were young. It was the seventies. They had a baby. They had a house. Um, Marsha puts her pride and joy, which she describes as the only good wedding gift they got, <laughs> which was a glass candy dish. Um, she placed it on the dining room table, um, but when she looked, glanced back to look at it, it was moving towards the edge of the table, about to be smashed no. off. But she saved it just in time. Um... When uh, a few days later, as they sat at the same dining room table, they overheard uh, the overhead light above the table started to flicker. Um, not randomly, though. It started randomly, and then it became a pattern, almost like Morse code. <gasps> it eventually stopped, but Marsha began to be unsettled. Ed, on the other hand, was just like, it's a new house, bad wiring. <laughs> they, the whole house did need a bit of work, um, but... He wasn't so phased. A month or so after the move, um, Ed called home to see how things were going from work. He, he phoned up. Uh, but the phone was busy. Uh, he tried a few hours later, and it was busy again. She was using the internet. <laughs> yes. To she buy all a, of her... She's using a dial-up. Yeah. In the back 70s. In, back in the 70s, we all had to use dial-up. It was horrible. Um... He tried several times during the day, but every time the phone was uh, busy. Ed came home um, a bit grumpy and a bit worried. Um, and Marsha said that she was never calling anybody. And as they no they noticed that the phone had been off the hook the whole day, um, which Marsha says was not her fault because she remembers putting it back on, blah, blah, blah. Um, Spooky, the phone off the hook. I know, and I'm moving a candy dish. Um, well, that is quite creepy if you can just see it. <laughs> yes. Um, someone wants candy. Uh, <laughs> things started to get a bit worse. Uh, dishes began flying out of cabinets and crashing to floor into pieces. Into pieces. Um, and Marsha uh, tried to convince Ed that the house was haunted, but he wouldn't buy it. Still, they move forward with their plans of renting the um, downstairs and living upstairs. Um, they uh, put an ad in the paper and they met with Dan and Diana Wood. Uh, Marsha and Diana became fast friends as Diana also had a young baby and they became yummy mums. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say. Um... However, Marsha was a little feeling a little bit guilty because they'd never mentioned anything happening Bow. bad in the house. <laughs> Didn't mention good old Myra. Um, and she was feeling a bit guilty, but Ed just kept on saying, nothing's going on, it's all in your head. Remember what the mantra of this podcast is? Listen to women who are being haunted. Um, they is that a mantra? We've said that before, haven't we? I don't know. A lot of these stories are just like, 
the little girl, the mother, saw a ghost and the father said, no, it's not. Or maybe just the ones I watch. Okay. Um, so... Uh, just made up our mantra. Yeah. Dan and Diana moved in downstairs underneath Marsha and Ed. Um, however, the odd things started to begin again. Uh, downstairs were these kind of like hanging chandeliers and they started swinging back and forth. Um, downstairs thought it was just upstairs moving around, but it wasn't. Um, and then one day, Marsha and Diana were sat at the downstairs kitchen table, having a little chin wag with the babbies. And, uh, Diana's baby was in one of those, uh, wheeled walker things. Oh, what, like in that video of the guy in Korea, where the baby comes in? Yes, exactly like that. <laughs> Speed <laughs> down the corner. Stomping, it's a little scary what's about to happen there. Um... The baby's feet didn't touch the ground, though. Mm. Um, it was very, it was a very young one. Yeah. Um, so it, it was a stuck in this wheeled thing and couldn't technically move. No, it was just put in there mm. just to be Keep out it. of the way. <laughs> um, this was the 70s. Um, That's what you wanted for children back then, just out of the way. This is actually, last week, well, last episode, I did one about not paying attention to a baby and the event that's disappearing. As they were talking... Uh, Marsha noticed that the baby was drifting along the ground, but feet weren't touching the ground, and it was heading towards mm. the open basement stairs. Oh no! Um, a door which they don't—they thought had always been closed. Um, they managed to grab the baby just as it was about to fall down all these stairs, and she felt a very ominous presence coming from the basement staircase. It's always basements. I'm sorry. And I'm... attics. Yeah, I know, but that's just where ghosts like to be. Well, that's what I'm just saying. It's like people don't learn. Yeah, lock those doors. Just don't have rooms upstairs just don't or have downstairs. Bas- just don't have basements at all. Don't have... In the UK, we have few don't basements. Don't have and extraneous attics. rooms. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had? Have you ever visited a house where they have, like, the sitting room? Or maybe you have this. And then just, like... The nice room you're not allowed to go in. The nice room you're not allowed to go like in? the nice room. No. And it's just like a weird sitting room that no one ever sits in. No. Mm. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we don't have many basements and attics in the UK. Let me continue. Um, uh, let me go. Blah, blah, blah. So after this incident with the baby, Marsha pleaded with Ed to investigate what was going on uh, and Ed decided to check the basement out. They had been down before but it was so cluttered and kind of rubbish and the whole house needed doing that they hadn't prioritised So it was it. like the other people's stuff left in their basement? Yes. After they bought it? Yes. That's a bit quiet. I think they bought it furnished. Oh, right. But it was furnished with other tear as well. It's furnished with crap. Um... So he went down into the basement and found clutter and clutter and clutter. And in particular, he found a glass jar filled with bullets. Oh, that's, that's normal. Un, unshot bullets, live bullets. Oh. Um, which he found a bit disturbing because he was worried about if there's a lots of bullets, then there's probably a gun in this house mm. and we've got two babbies. Mm. Um... He also found something a lot worse. <laughs> I just imagined the little baby in like, the stroller thing just sort of going around the corner with a gun. <laughs> what have you got there? A, a gun! gun! <laughs> no! <laughs> um, 
Anyway, this babby is probably someone's parent now. Because it's set in the 70s. Okay, so in the basement, he also finds a strange door. To hell. Um, <laughs> uh, it seemed a bit kind of locked, but he managed to prise it open. Um, and inside found lots of shoeboxes. And when he opened up the shoebox, he found clippings of women from magazines. Isn't those kind of magazines? Those kinds of magazines, but all kinds of magazines. I mean, I'm sure they were a lot worse, but because I was watching a TV show, they were just like women and like dresses <laughs> but like it's all they were kind of like victorian erotica oh right um so it's like showing an ankle yes but i'm sure it actually showed a bit worse but whatever but um a lot of the showing clipping a, calf. <laughs> a lot of the clipping some of the clippings were like fully cut out and some of them were like half a face and oh, that's a bit weird. slightly disturbing things um ed uh believed that this room had been a secret sort of pervy hideaway Um, (laughs) from Myra we don't know so he decided not to tell Marsha about the perv room (laughs) not because he was using it obviously Uh, but um, he He thought no he thought that Marsha who was already panicked about the house being haunted wouldn't want to know about the secret pervy sex dungeon (laughs) they had underneath and like the glass jar of bullets okay so, other incidents happened. Marsha was having a bath uh, one night when she felt um, something touch her on the shoulder. Mm. Um, she was so freaked out that she rushed out into the um, living room uh, and reached for the phone to grab a, uh, to call Ed. But the phone itself flew off in front of her, and she was very scared. Um, that was sort of the last straw, and there's a few last straws in the story. Um, and Marsha asked Ed to find a priest to perform a blessing on the house, um, despite neither of them being religious, but hoping it would put some stop to something. Um, a priest came to visit um, and used a brass holy water dispenser to oh, uh, catalog. Mm, to scatter water around the room and he was sort of reciting verses on autopilot a little bit yeah he wasn't really feeling no but the blessing at one stage he flicks the little dispenser and it burst <laughs> it exploded and shattered in a way that brass doesn't yeah it's not really something you think of shattering um the priest was very rattled and uh, finished the blessing as quickly as possible and ran. <laughs> um, that was the stage when Ed was like, okay, I can't really ignore this anymore. Um, so he decided to visit their neighbour, Walter, in the house next door. Um, uh, Walter had actually lived there for about 40 years and so knew a lot about his neighbours. Mm. He knew a lot about Myra, Myra, Myra. Myra. I think it's Myra. Is it Moira or Myra? Myra. How's it spelled? M-Y. Yeah. Myra. Myra. <laughs> um, he said that Nextdoor had always been occupied by the same family that built the house 
and the family had had three very old kind of Victorian yeah. family, and they'd had three children: Ben, Myra, and a baby that died in childbirth, essentially. Yeah. Um, and because of all this, and because of the stress of the parents, um, Ben had been a very protective older brother and the man of the house um and was described as a very dominant male um it's always a bad sign mm, but ben had uh died of a massive coronary in the bathtub uh ben ed was like i also know something about ben he had a weird sexy uh <laughs> lady dungeon um could have been my we, well, yes, we don't know. Not confirmed. Um, one night, Ed and Marsha were woken up by the sound of a man and woman arguing violently. Um, sounds a little bit like next door. Although it's, I won't get into next door. <laughs> they shout a lot. Um, they were very upset thinking that it was Dan and Diana downstairs um, having a big argument and they weren't sure whether to get involved or not. Um, but when they started hearing things crashing and uh, the female voice screaming in a way that is unlike how women should scream in <laughs> relationships, no. um, they decided to step out of their like, bedroom and go downstairs. However, assuming, assuming to find Dan and Diana arguing, they saw Dan doing the exact same thing, stepping out of his bedroom to wonder what, if they were arguing upstairs. <gasps> They had both heard the argument happening, but... It wasn't there. It wasn't there. No one was there. Um, but now both upstairs and downstairs had a kind of, okay, we both know we live in a spook mansion. <laughs> um, so he went to ask Walter again if he could hear any of that stuff. And Walter gave a bit more information, saying that there had been one other person who'd stayed in that house that wasn't their family member, which was Ben's wife, Amelia. So, Sex Dungeon Man had a wife. Um, it was her Sex Dungeon. Well, we'd, I, I hope that she had so that much fun. It doesn't sound like it. <laughs> um, their marriage was not a very happy one. Um, and... Sorry, there's really spooky noises in our, in our bedroom. <laughs> Scratches. Scratches at the wall. Shouting. Do you hear it again? Yeah. We're good. We're fine. It's fine. <sighs> Once we were doing a story and the doorbell went and... It was the child. I had to edit it out because of many reasons, but... Oh, you it... were, like, stuck chatting to the guy for, like, 20 minutes. Yes. It was, um, a real shock. <laughs> we both screamed. Um, right, God, this is end. This is end. We haven't even got to the TV part, and that's not the end of the story. Okay. <laughs> um, so it was a very unhappy marriage, and unfortunately, Amelia uh, took her own life <laughs> in the basement <gasps> by hanging herself. By this point, um, in all of the commotion, uh, Diana from downstairs um, decided to leave. And she moved away with the baby, leaving um, her husband, Dan, alone in the house. Um, one night, Dan was uh, sleeping in bed when he felt someone lying on top of him, holding him. Uh. And 
trying to make him not breathe. <gasps> um, he didn't like that, but I think he moves out later. I well, think he's really? kind of fine with that. <laughs> um, so, uh, Marsha was like fully depressed now. Um, she, when she moved into the house, she was so full of jovial per, uh, energy, apparently. Was, that's a copy paste. <laughs> but she had become incredibly depressed. Um, it was the same thing that had happened to Diana downstairs, and Ed was getting very upset and worried that Marsha would leave him. Um, well, they could just both move out. That's not as easy as it sounds. Um, so during dinner one night, uh, the door behind them, uh, this was, I'm, I'm mentioning this cause I know there's a lot of, okay, we have assumed that things are happening, <laughs> but this one was amusing to me because the door behind them opened and kept like opening and closing violently. And it was this time a, a type of stage where Ed just kind of got up from the table and just went like, can you stop please? <laughs> like they'd gone from frightened to just very annoyed um ed grabbed some heavy string and uh tied the door shut but the door just kept on moving as if someone was trying to get in um because ed knew about ben from walter he started shouting at the door door saying shut up ben you old pervert (laughs) (laughs) and jeering him on um it was at this stage that he started to remember Myra saying, you'll never own this house from earlier. Um, Marsha decided that, like, this was the third last straw. Mm. So she looked in the yellow pages and found a professional psychic named Joe DeLuise. Do- Joe DeLucy or something. I don't know. We're not very good with pronunciations here. Um, Joe DeHungry Lucy. Joe DeLuce. Delushi? Delushi? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, Joe. Um, and he agreed to come and help if he would... Uh, we could bring along NBC <laughs> to film the exorcism. Uh, desperate Ed and Marge, Marsha decided to go ahead with it. So the day of the exorcism came, uh, TV crew for NBC came along with big, chunky 70s cameras... Um, there was a sound person, and uh, Ed helped him make sure all of the doi- doors, <laughs> doors, <laughs> all the windows and doors were completely shut uh, for sound. And um, a reverend came uh, to assist Joe the psychic. Um, they were told to all hold crucifixes, um, and the reverend began the incantation. Uh, and Joe, the psychic, um, went into a trance. Um, there was, he was moving his hands in a very strange, uh, distorted way. Um, and the NBC sound man said that he kept picking up voices and noises and was asking everyone else if they can hear things. And he could pick up whispering and strange noises on his sound thing. Um... The reverend thrust his crucifix at uh, the psychic and a gust of wind blew throughout the house, um, which they actually mention on the NBC recording that we can watch a clip of later. Um, they also kept on hearing the sounds of birds to the point of like full 
birds. The full bird. Like like the film The Birds. Uh, just like constant like Oh like crows. Yeah. Um it became overwhelming. Or Daffy Duck. <laughs> yes. Get out of my house. I'm not gonna do it, sorry. Okay. Um the Reverend got very angry and uh uh he was being very fierce in his incantation when as violent as all of the wind and the birds and the noise had started, it all stopped. Um, the Reverend declared that this house is clean. <laughs> um, and despite all this, Dan from downstairs decided to move out. <laughs> um, wasn't good enough for him. And it was a big story on the news, uh, on NBC News. And everyone said, well, job's done, everything's done, everything's done. It, it wasn't. It weren't. Okay. So, with um, all of the stress and both people downstairs having moved out, Ed's sister, April, who had seen the exorcism on TV, uh, said she was desperate to move in downstairs. Um, <laughs> She's Marcia, one of those. She is a ghost arena. Mm. <laughs> so, Marsha was a little concerned about how enthused April was to get into the house and said that this isn't a game. And April said, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I just, I, I want to be here for you. It'll be just like old times, me living with my brother, blah, 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 blah. However, barely a week <laughs> into living downstairs, she invited a number of friends over um, to use a Ouija board. Oh, for God's sake. Ouija board. Um, they were using it, and Marsha crept downstairs after hearing all of their giggling and looked through the door to see what they were up to and was very shocked to see what they were doing, but decided to just watch and see what happened. The planchette, is it called? Yeah. Uh, started Kate Planchette. The Kate Planchette. That's a good ghostly, ghosty drag name. Okay. <laughs> it started to move and she was very, she was expecting it to say Ben or Amelia, perhaps, his wife. But instead, it spelled out Henry. It's the baby. So, when it spelled out Henry and the girls screamed, Ed heard from upstairs and ran downstairs and ripped the, the board apart, and he threatened to kick his sister out. Um, she was very apologetic, and she said she wouldn't do anything like that again, um, and she decided to move in the rest of her stuff. <laughs> she moved in a piano um, and noticed that it started playing on its own, but only one single note. Well, if it's a baby playing it, it's not going to know many songs. <laughs> <laughs> she thought that it was just playing... She kind of didn't mind it at start. It would be like, ding, ding, yeah. ding. But then occasionally it would just kind of go, ding, 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 yeah. and it would really freak her out. Um, however, she wasn't... She had a very different reaction to Marsha, where she was like, oh, it was a ghost. April was more intrigued and more into it. And she also noticed the chandelier shaking like the previous mm. owners, but she thought she was controlling it. And she thought she was in control of the piano moving. And that she, she thought she had powers. Yeah, she thought she had powers. She was. It was the 70s. She, she didn't thought... have powers in the 70s. <laughs> um, however, at night, she'd hear the basement door open on its own. Um, and she said she wasn't doing that. 
Um, however, it was now when April started to hear a ghost whispering to her, including kill yourself. She also felt like she was being touched sometimes on the back of her neck in the same way mm. that uh, Marsha had felt. And this is when it gets a bit strange. Then, one oh, night, now. <laughs> April ran away. Oh. And they didn't know where she was. We'll get back to April later. In May. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> um, Ed went, On the night she disappeared, Ed was very worried. Uh, for his sister, obviously. Um, they put in a thing saying that she'd gone missing. But before he did, he decided to check the basement where the door was open. Um, as he went down, he had a much clearer light than he had before and was really checking every single part of the thing and found a hollow sounding wall <gasps> inside the sex dungeon. And a sub-sex dungeon. A sub-sex dungeon. When you, pie, when you have a secret room in your secret room, yeah. nothing good's going to be in there. <laughs> he, it was felt like a wooden wall. But it was actually a door, and when he finally managed to break it open, he found a very tiny room with a crusty old mattress in it. Uh. Um, a single pan, like a bed- frying pan. Oh, I mean like bed pan. <laughs> I think it might have been used as one. Mm-hmm. A bed um, frying pan. And one sing- single hanging light bulb. Um, and on the ground, a used bullet. Ed started to wonder what had happened here and Walter the man great at only giving enough information but not giving everything said that well another person had lived there old Henry he never died as a baby he hadn't died as a baby apparently or was he like deformed or something well I read one thing saying that they thought he was deformed but what is described in the episode of whatever, that even though Ben and uh, Myra were a bit odd, they considered Henry to be truly evil. Oh my god. But I won't take Ben's word on what's evil. Um, And they had (laughs) apparently um, locked him in the basement (gasps) for a long, long time, but eventually killed him for whatever reason. Um, And that they think it was him who was the restless spirit in the house. Um, three weeks later, the police found April living on the streets, um, having been wrecked by something she found in the basement. And she has never spoken of it. And in... That's creepy. Ed Becker's book, True Haunting, he says that he has lost contact with April. The story has a happy ending, though. Not for April. They managed to leave. (laughs) And... Uh, they moved house and they went on to live a lovely life and Ed Becker became a best-selling uh, ghost story writer. However, thanks to the fact that they had put their whole story on NBC and become a very, very famous haunting of the time, they sold their property for $10. <laughs> the end. <laughs> uh, that's creepy. I want to know what happened to April. It's very sad. I think she just um, played with fire a little bit. Mm. The whole, like, we joke about it. Or like, oh, I'd love to live in a haunted house or, like, go yeah. visit one. But, like, I think truly, 
I said in like the first episode I was kind of skeptic-y, but it's because like if I actually saw things I couldn't explain, it would really rock my world. Yeah. I think some people, if they saw ghosts, they'd be like, oh no, I saw a ghost. But for me, it'd be like, I fundamentally don't understand anything. <laughs> and it would really like freak me out. Anyway. Just like the fact that like, there was a creepy, crusty mattress in a sub sub sex dungeon mm. that time like just finding that out would be creepy nothing's good i mean listener dear listener when we say the when we say the word deformed what we basically mean is if this family is from like 1910 probably just had a wart on his nose or yeah or like thought. even if it was anything more than that like they wouldn't the creepy element is not that he has a in air quotes wrong yeah that they would have, how they would have treated someone like that. Yeah, that's what's scary. And, like, what that person would have become if he would been down there since he was a baby. Yeah, I feel just like, it's like, it's like a modern day version of that castle one you did. It is. Uh, we're noticing little uh, patterns. patterns or... Um, White ladies like lakes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the sequel to um, White Men Can't Jump. Uh, <laughs> But they're just, like, the kinds of stories both of us lean towards. Yeah, my obscure ones from Google Your books, ones like... are quite sweet. They're more like, oh, I met this nice person, but unfortunately they're a ghost, but I would have been their pal anyway. But they're gone. Well, the children weren't that nice. I was a bit creeped out by them. Yeah. And the carousel lurking in there, inviting If any ghost says, to... come play with us, no good comes no. of that. Well, it's like the black-eyed kids, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I hope, dear listener, you are chilled, you are spooked, you are ooped, you are kooked, you are duped. I don't know what I'm talking about. We never mentioned Ghost Castle. Oh my gosh, no we didn't. Um, well, let's mention for, briefly. For, for context, when I was doodling things, I came across a picture of a board game called Ghost Castle and I was like, Hamish, have you seen this? And he was just like, yes. I've played it. Uh, we own it, and I can't remember if it's in my parents' house back in wherever my parents are from. <laughs> did another episode about it, back in Glastonbury. Or, um, my brother did move out all of his stuff, and it's, um, he's got it in London, but I'll find it, and we'll actually play it. Did a live stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did talk about maybe doing it as a Facebook Live, uh, which would be fun. Maybe more fun for us than anyone, anyone watching. watching. <laughs> I know podcasts are a bit like being out of a conversation, but board games <laughs> being played is probably even more annoying. Um, but yeah, we want to do some ghostly board games. Could live tweet it. We're a bit too... Yeah. <laughs> live tweet it. I've got an amazing card I'm going to play. I hope Tiffany doesn't find out. Um, we'll. I think we'll do a spooky board games thing. So I'm a bit too scared to actually use a Ouija board. Oh no, I don't think you should touch Ouija boards. No. I don't believe in it too much. <laughs> my mum uh, got suspended from school for using one. I think in the 70s. I think that was just like a real go-to thing. Yeah. But um, we'll build up to using them by um, gaining courage from Ghost Castle, <laughs> ages three and up. <laughs> um, and I've got some other spooky board games. I've got Mysterium and... What's Mysterium? Mysterium is kind of like a seance board game. So one of you plays the ghost. Um, and you've got to... It's a bit like a mixture between a seance and Cluedo. 
because you have to guess who murdered the person. Yeah. Um, but the ghost is only allowed to talk through cryptic uh, picture cards. And so, as the ghost, you look through your deck of cards you've been given, and they all have, like, weird imagery. And you've got to try and communicate to the players who killed you by, like... And there's no, like, right answer to anything. It's just more like, this has red in, and that person has, like, got a red coat on, so I'm going to do this. But in the image, they might pick up on, like, something else to get it really wrong. It's very fun. Um, And Betrayal on the House... Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill, I think is the name of the game, yeah. is another good one, where you, like, explore a house and each uh, card is a room, and you have to, like, you don't know what the room's going to be in it. Mm. It's fun. Are there any, like, tabletop games, but where you play as, like, monsters? Not monsters, or, like, creepy things. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, Monster hor- mash. Like, horror. I'm playing one at the moment called Monster Hearts. Yeah, but I know that, but like, right, I lot... mean more of like. You play like, as the monsters that. Like you can be like where it's like instead of classes like barbarian and things you'd be like, vampire. That's what happens in Monster Hearts, but um, it's much more like. That's like teen Twilight. drama, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but it's still fun, and like you can play that in many different ways. Ours at the moment is very like murder mystery. Yeah. But I'm a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean... Well, we fairies are traditionally creepy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ours are quite creepy. Mm. Maybe we'll talk about it on a future episode. But I think that's enough for now. Yeah. Um, please send in your ghost stories to thepoltercast at gmail.com. Or tweet us at thepoltercast on Twitter. We also have a Facebook group where we are trying to uh, put all of the information. I actually didn't play the recording. So I'll put that on put the that group. that in the bonus material. Yeah. It's, um... It's... More interesting because of seeing what a 1970s news report on anything is like. <laughs> like, the uh, very specific way the everyone sounds. Um, but it's really cool. And you can sort of see what the Beckers look like. Yeah. See old Marsha. Um, so yeah, that's where we that's what we put on our Facebook. Um, our theme music is by Graham Waller of The Little Wolf. The album Spectrum is available on Spotify and iTunes. Is that it? What? Is that it? Is that it? Yeah, that it? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So until um, next time. Rest in peace.